Hello, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, Technical Difficulties Apology. If you are hearing this opening at the beginning of our broadcast, then at some point during our remote recording of this episode, either Lacey or Annie experienced a free software malfunction or a feline interruption which affected the quality of the recording. We apologize for the inconvenience and assure you that any and all strings of curse words that accompanied said malfunction have been removed from the podcast by our loyal and hardworking sound engineer, Mark. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogermilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm excited because we're not talking about a mystery. <laughs> yeah, I know. We did have kind of a run there, but you we know, hey. also, also Janet Mullaney is joining us, which I always <gasps> love. I and love I think that. this is somehow the first time she has been on the show since I moved. So she's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm in the closet because I'm still in the closet. No, no, guys. You're in the wardrobe. Oh, the oh, that's right. We just we're calling it the wardrobe now. Narnia. And if she reaches out between the hanging coats, you can see behind her, you know, we don't know what she's going to encounter. So it's all pretty <laughs> exciting I, anything could happen yeah. is what i'm saying like who was who is it that was mr uh whoever in the narnia movie it was someone we like oh it's a scottish guy oh yeah professor x young professor x yes oh james McAvoy. thank you i was like young professor everybody knew who i was talking about. i knew exactly that you met mr tumnus yes he lives behind the dresses in my closet now so that's pretty great um <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we talking about today that Janet is joining us for other than Mr. Tumnus and your wardrobe? Let, uh, let me try to like bring myself back to a correct state of online is here. We are revisiting uh, what turned out to be one of my favorite shows of the year, Starz's period drama, The Serpent Queen. Since Janet uh, recapped it for us this year and missed our premiere discussion, I am excited that she is here for the wrap up. And I guess look forward because ta-da, the show got renewed for a second season, which I am personally kind of psyched about i did not see that coming actually i mean i i get that i know that we ended with basically like right as she takes power and like she has another 40 years to go yeah i mean there's Mm -hmm. there's so much of her story and a lot of the things that she's supposed to have done that are like i'm making air quotes like the worst things (laughs) are still like in her future I mean, there's like some religious motivated massacres, which I don't even know. I yeah, I don't even know if she technically like did that, but she might have. They tended to blame things onto her. I know history hates women. Is what I'm saying. And I I also know that that that, that the show is based on a biography, uh, Catherine de Medici, Renaissance Queen of France, and I believe that that the book doesn't. I haven't read the book, but I believe that it does not end with her taking control. I believe it does actually cover her whole life. So if if that's the case, then they have more book to go. I mean, technically, there's just like she out. I mean, she outlived almost everyone she knew. She outlived her husband and all of her children, except for one who died. Like I think two months after she did. So her life is her life is unpleasant in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it was for a lot of women then, you know. But I think one. I, I think one of the things that made this series so strong was that it was based on a a book, a nonfiction book. And so that gave not only a strong framework for the writers, um, but it meant they weren't having to deal with someone else's strange woo-woo stuff. Yes, Philippa Gregory, I'm talking to you. I love her, but also <laughs> the Plantagenet women are not witches. <laughs> 
Wow. I mean, Ooh, I'm not. I, 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 I'm not arguing, but also wow. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that they were witches in those books. They were like just like somehow related to like some river goddess or something. It was real weird. They were just they were randomly magic. They were just randomly magic. I think they were amateurs. <laughs> but you know, there were signs at the beginning of this that Catherine had these weird powers like um when she was young she um she said that she could make things happen and that seemed to have got forgotten about i actually i think they come back to it a little bit when henry dies um where she, where she's like did i make this happen and i think that is i think that's actually probably very true to life in the sense that anytime women Anytime women did anything that sort of asserted themselves in any way or benefited from any situation, like the default assumption was witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So I'm not shocked, especially because so many people didn't like her and didn't trust her. And it's just it's easier to be like this woman is a witch. Right. Than almost anything else. Well, look, all women were suspect because they had these uteruses which wandered around their body at will. (laughs) Explains a lot when you think about it. I mean... Facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the actual show. Because, yeah, let's. <laughs> um, one of the things, you know, we talked about the first episode, um, Lacey and I back uh, when the show premiered and the, the framework with um, with this with with the servant girl, uh, Rahima, and and this sort of mystery of of how she's going to relate to Catherine. Um, how did you feel about that framework? I th- I thought it was sort of interesting because in a way Rahima um, became an apprentice, but we also realised by the end of it that repeat that Rahima was actually a force to be reckoned with. I mean, we don't know anything about her past. She was literate for a start, and that took even Catherine by surprise. And she could play the game as well as Catherine. Could. I mean, I was really concerned that something awful would happen to Rahima. Um, but then I looked at um, at uh, uh, the cast lists and realized that, she, yes, she is indeed in all eight episodes. So she survived that far. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes that is the best way to know whether or not your favorite is going to die or not. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is a show that I believe would have like visions or ghosts or something. So I wouldn't have even trusted that. Uh, I think I think Raheem is interesting because I wasn't I don't know I think this show does a lot of very interesting and occasionally strange choices in terms of like narration mm-hmm. because for the first the like for the first six episodes Catherine is the narrator yes and, and Ka- Catherine is not a particularly reliable narrator but then all of a sudden Mary Queen of Scots also not a particularly reliable narrator <laughs> becomes the narrator for like one episode and then it's Rahima also not a particularly reliable also narrator. not a particular so I think it's I I don't know I feel like is that sort of like a meta statement of like you can't trust anything the show is telling you because all mm-hmm. of these people are not reliable sort of tellers of the tale or maybe the truth lies somewhere between the three of them possibly trust no one trust no one yeah. um <laughs> the thing that took me aback because i had um you know samantha morton was so pushed as the the star of the show is that the first three episodes actually starred a uh, live hill as a uh, the as as the queen um in as as a young woman and a first i thought she was a fantastic fantastic performance i agree but B, like, I actually started wondering, like, 
are we really going to switch to Samantha Morton at some point? Or are we just going to stay here? Because I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought Liv Hill was, was incredible. Um, she was so wonderful to watch in her own way. I mean, as wonderful as Samantha Morton is. And, you know, the interesting thing, too, about Samantha Morton, when she was not the narrator, we started getting these big emotional reactions from her, which we never got before. So it's like it took an outsider to bring um, Catherine Morton's inside out. That that is a very good point. Um, because and it's also because Catherine doesn't want to admit to having emotions. She doesn't want to admit that she's swayed by yeah. emotional. But the moment that you see her from the outside, suddenly she's this very emotional woman. And it's a question of is it that she was actually a very emotional woman, or is it that because she's a woman, people assigned emotions to her? Oh, I think it's maybe a little of both. One of my favorite things about the show is how much everything external to the show really leans into this idea of like Catherine as a badass bitch, like sitting on a throne with snakes literally like coming out of her gown. But the show doesn't do that at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Like the show is very even handed in its treatment of her. And in fact really, I think, goes out of its way to show us a Catherine who knows that that sort of black dress snake carrying thing is is what everybody thinks mm-hmm. of her. So she, like, leans into it on purpose. And e- even though I don't think that's at anything, like, who she actually is, I think she knows exactly what people expect from, expect they expect her to be the Serpent Queen. So she, like, gives them what they want. She leans into it on purpose. Yes, because she's so much a manipulator and she's so conscious of image. That came out right at the beginning when she, um, when Liv Hill was playing Catherine and they were trying to dress her up for this prestigious marriage. And she turned to her uncle, the Pope, and said, I need more bling. And so they put her in that fantastic, historically inaccurate costume, which I love. <laughs> when she arrived in an egg, I was like, is this Lady Gaga? What is yes. happening here? <laughs> the shoes, however, were quite historically correct. That's what fashionable women in um, in Venice and places wearing those huge platform soles. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The costumes, I thought, were mostly fantastic. I mean, if you really want to find out about the costumes, you need to go to... Um, Frock Flicks, which is a blog about um, historical costume dramas, and they analyze them and they they come to the conclusion mostly pretty much things are okay. But and I don't know very much about the clothes of that period, but the clothes worked. They they expressed power and wealth and um, massive egos, and I thought they were just great. I actually really loved Catherine's like like dark witch black dress that she wore oh, around yeah. everywhere. Yes. It looked it was the detail on that mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. It looked like armor in the shoulders, kind of, which I have to assume was on purpose. Yes, I, I thought that was actually very deliberate. That a lot of times her dresses resembled like fabric armor, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Diane de Portier's. uh is someone who wears these ridiculously like buttoned up outfits. To, to, she loves a pattern, Diane. Diane loves a pattern. She does, but she also like it, it's it's almost like she's overcovering herself because we know that the moment she's in the bedroom, she's uncovered. Like <laughs> there's there there's that contrast too that she can that 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 she's that she's fronting about being such a, a, a uptight widow when she's actually like 
um i don't know what, what was that wonderful thing you said uh janet in your recap about uh bible study oh yes right <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I can i just say like i really want everyone to go read um janet's recaps because i honestly laughed out loud more than once when i was editing some of these because she's just they it's just you're just so funny in them anyway well there were a lot of funny moments um and s i think most of them were intentional like the gold treatment that diane de poitier had which is actually true is actually they did true. That they did find um traces of gold in the remains that they assume were diane's so that was legit yeah, the, gross was but legit, legit. But, but but there was but there was one moment when she came out up to the surface of a gold bath <laughs> and you called it graham norton <laughs> it was just like the floating barbies in graham norton <laughs> <laughs> it killed and, me yeah I, I, i'm just i'm just i'm telling you people you should really read janet's recaps they are quite good anyway um uh going back to uh diane though i yes. want to know what your feelings are about diane because i know that Lacey and i were a little like you know she's clearly like that there's a level where she's you know clearly the the other woman but like mm -hmm. proudly the other woman i'd love your take on her oh i th i thought she was really interesting she was um she's such a manipulator and and she seemed but she was very one note i mean she was like that all the time with just about everyone um, but on the other hand, it's fantastic to see a woman who, you know, I don't know the actor's age, but I believe she's 40s, 50s. Uh, she's actually she's actually uh, born in 79. I looked it up because I was curious to see how old oh. she was. So she's in her 40s. She's in her 40s. Uh, she's younger than me. I'm going to walk into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's um, and uh, I mean, that is so nice to see someone who has to have makeup put on her to make her look younger although i mean she's got great bones she didn't i guess she didn't really need as much as she could have done um but she was very very convincing because she is the sort of woman who would look the same all her life for one reason or another because she worked hard at it and she took gold and uh, I, I i i did wonder um because you know of course she sort of like goes to pieces when henry actually dies mm -hmm. um a, because I don't know the history here, was she actually in love with him or was she just in love with the power that being with him gave her? Oh, definitely in love with the power, I think. Okay. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, like, we'll never know because, again, this is a woman whose yes. history was written by men. So there's there's no way, there's just no way to ever truly know for sure. I have to assume... I, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I'm sure I'm sure she perhaps stayed with Henry when she didn't want to because that was her only path into into court life, into influence, into power. But also you don't stay with someone for mm -hmm. you know, yeah. forty years or whatever. Like unless you at least at some level want to. I mean she had her own money, she could have left. I did have one question, though, because I, I, I looked up enough history to know that, you know, uh, Catherine's son died of an earache, as far as I understood it. So I was really confused by kind of the the, the way that he dies in, in, in the final episode. And I was kind of curious, how, how, how did they 
why do you think they changed that? They wanted to make it more dramatic. And I think also they wanted to uh, show the real relationship between Catherine and her son, that she had this mm. deep love for her children, which she was not able to express. I mean, honestly, if anyone's curious about that, and I really do not recommend the show for anything else about history, but in this, they actually get it right. The CW's brain is... Um, about Mary Queen of Scots' mm-hmm. time at the French court and Megan Fallows, who we all know as Anne of Green Gables, what is uh, Catherine de Medici in that series and her entire, like her whole character arc is basically about how she's mm-hmm. obsessed with her kids. And it's really like, it's really true. That she was basically, that she, I, I mean, I definitely got some of that from her relationship with Mary. Um, not only that she saw Mary as a threat and she recognized that Mary was not playing the game nearly as well as she thought she was, mm-hmm. um, but that there was also just a level of just sheer jealousy of how dare you come and try and take my son. That there was yeah. kind of a mother-in-law from hell aspect to that that was being not really it wasn't downplayed, but it was just kind of like less addressed than it might have been in a show written by men. Mm -hmm. Well, also there's this continuous theme coming up that Catherine came from a powerful family, but they were not royalty. So she's always having to fight for her position, whereas apparently uh, Diane de Poitiers did come from royalty. She was higher up the social scale. And uh, that's why... uh, that's why um, Mary, Queen of Scots, and other people got so furious when Catherine got the regency because she was not royalty. She was not born into that role or appointed by God. Mm. I mean, she was born to like to to decent like to 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 at least like medium people, though, right? I mean, the de Medici's are are. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was like a duke, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yes. I mean, several. I mean, several of them. Uh, so there were several Medici dukes that ended up controlling most of Italy in, in various forms or another. But um, they were not. She was not of like the French royal house. That's right. Even though she spent her entire life basically fighting to keep the um, who are they? Who is uh, uh, Valois? Is that their family name? To keep that family on mm-hmm. the throne. Like, that is, like, her life's mission. Was to keep Francis and then Charles and then I I don't remember what the next... What's... It's another Henry. Of course it is. Yes, well, they all they all have the same names, which was, which was sort of peculiar because sometimes if you had two Francises around, for instance, there was Francois um, of Guise, who was called Francois, but Francis was the name given to the king, which I guess to differentiate... A little between them. There's also that weird thing about they kept referring to Italy, Italy. Well, Italy wasn't a country; it was a collection of states, right? Yeah, Italy was a lot of duchies, basically. I mean, essentially, I believe they were at war with um with with Florence. Uh, one of the things I, I one of the well, actually, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do this in season two. One of the I'll I'll turn it around. One of the things I hope they do a little bit better in season two is framing the various sort of civil Mm -hmm. factions under the throne because I don't think they did a really good job distinguishing between the Guises Mm -hmm. and the Bourbons or between French Catholics and French Protestants and how that conflict had been going on and, and how it will come to be like the central fracture in French life Mm -hmm. for the next 50, 60 years. And and I just don't feel like they did a very good job, 
even really explaining that to people like a lot of the a lot of the secondary sort mm-hmm. of geese bourbon figures feel more interchangeable yeah. than i would like like the only person there to represent the catholic viewpoint is like <laughs> antoine i guess and like what the cardinal yeah um and he's a a terrible catholic and b like the only catholic <laughs> Yeah, that was the um, that was something that confused me too because part of Catherine's dowry was um, a cardinalship or whatever the term is um, to be given to one of the king's sons, and I thought it was going to um, to the king's oldest son. But then he get but then he marries Catherine. But it, no, he was actually it was actually given to him. And um, they are, I mean, I really enjoyed the Bourbon Bros and the Guise Bros. I thought they were fantastically funny. I love that you called them bros. I'm not going to lie. They are bros. They're like straight out of a frat house. <laughs> and, and, and and the fact that you did call them bros is also part of like, it really did sort of give a sense of their frattiness that I feel like most, that, that, that writing about them might not have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, can I also just sort of throw out there, um, you know, one of the things you said about the, the names being the same, you know, one of the big complaints, and this is just a little bit off topic, um, is over over at uh, HBO they have the 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 House of the Dragon where the critics all complain that the names are too close and too the same and this is one of those moments where I was like no actually this is the truth of it that everybody really did have the same name and it's just as confusing here and yet somehow I managed to keep them straighter. <laughs> yes, and in Gentleman Jack you have two main characters called Anne. How confusing <laughs> is that? <laughs> That's why- <laughs> one has an E and one doesn't, duh. Um, yeah, so uh, this is, I really, so moving on from uh, the, the, the Liv Hill years to actually um, when when Morton takes over as a younger version of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and she's, when she really sort of is trying to take control of the Privy Council and sort of, and, and, and the men basically are ignoring her. Um, mm-hmm. the only one who really sort of respects her is, um, um, Calm Meanly, the king. Like, I really, yes. I thought their relationship was so interesting because, you know, the, 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 her actual husband isn't all that in love with her. Nobody else really likes mm-hmm. her. And like, and, and, and the actual king of France is like, nah, nah, this one, this one's going to be my heir right here. This little girl right here. <laughs> um hilariously this guy uh if you watch a lot of Tudor dramas you will know this guy because he's the king that meets Henry VIII on the field yes. of the cloth of gold and historically is a giant oh, D-bag. Yeah. That's really funny because you know the actor who plays him is of course Chief O'Brien from uh, Star Trek. So I I have just sort of thought of him as, you know, King King O'Brien. <laughs> No, he uh historically speaking he and Henry VIII were rivals. And really didn't like each other because a lot of the clearly this was back when when Francois was a little bit hotter. No offense to call Meanie, but like they were and and when when Henry was a little bit thinner (laughs) and they were supposed to be like the the sort of young lights of Europe. And they were very like cool Mm -hmm. and hot. And it's like they 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 went from being friends to sort of being adversaries to being rivals to like, yeah, they're they're the ones that met on the field of cloth of gold. Like he snubbed Anne Boleyn because he took Henry took Anne instead of Catherine. Like 
it, there there's just a lot he's not like a kindly <laughs> old dude is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah well he well he was a pretty appalling character at, um, i mean he was he loved to drink that's they got that right oh he loved to drink and <laughs> and he loved women and and you know whenever he appears in a doorway there's some woman adjusting her clothes behind him but he he likes Ka- he likes Catherine because he can see how smart she is and what a clear thinker she is and she thinks strategically and i thought it was quite touching um the relationship between them because i thought oh my gosh he's going to he's going to try and seduce her because you know she's a female in a skirt um but it didn't happen that way and and it was such a nice relationship between them um whereas i mean oh francis her husband, he's just awful. A lot of the men are awful. I mean, the the, the Holy Roman Emperor is awful. Oh, God. <laughs> what a lovely role for Rupert Everett. I mean, seriously, like, that was, so, he's so great in that. He's so great yeah, in that role. Yes. And so slimy and so awful. And yes, I, 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 I really, you know, of all of the royals, I think he might have been my, the one I love to hate the most. Um, though I also kind of, I also kind of hated the bros just like in general, though I, I liked them individually, but as a collective, they always bothered me. Yes. I didn't know the Pope was pretty bad. Charles Dance. It's just, again, funny to me because that is the same Pope that's busy denying Henry his divorce. That's right. Yeah, but he was, he was denying divorces and giving divorces all over the place. I mean, what Henry demanded wasn't that unusual in Europe at the time. And it is so interesting to see it from a European perspective, too, because we keep getting the Tudors, the Tudors, the Tudors in various manifestations. But actually seeing what was going on in France and how, and, and how there was this massive power struggle over the European mainland was so interesting. Doesn't he get, like, kidnapped by the Holy Roman Emperor at some point? You know, something happened to Francis and his brother. Um, they they were held hostage somewhere. No, I meant the Pope gets kidnapped by the Holy Roman Emperor. Oh, yes, I think he does, yes. It's just a lot of important people kidnapping. <laughs> um, I, I, the one moment that I did really like also, um, because we do get so much, as you say, tutors, 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 is that we do finally get kind of a crossover with Elizabeth, but then it's played kind of for laughs. When Mary gets when Mary gets the the false letter at the end saying that yes. Elizabeth is going to help her, and then she shows up with Elizabeth is and and the guy is like Elizabeth does not want to see you, um and it, and and you don't actually ever see Elizabeth like that is all just you know but it's so it it it's played for laughs. I thought that was a really cute way yeah. to sort of like nod towards all of the other things. That I mean, this... I guess, but that's not like super how that happened. No, no. <laughs> I mean, where is? Where is Mary of Guise in this? Like, was she supposed to be in Scotland? Um. Anyway, moving on. But let's talk about Mary, actually, because I think this show's portrayal of her is yes. very interesting, actually. And, like, not kind yeah. of what I expected, because a lot of times you get, much like Catherine, weirdly enough, you tend to get one of two, one of two versions of Mary, Queen of Scots. And one of them, one of them is the, like, manipulative slut edit which is she just goes through husbands and kills them and is just out for her own power and the other one is the hapless victim edit which is where she sort of gets passed Mm -hmm. around by all these people who are trying to control things through her so i think like Catherine, they Mm -hmm. let her kind of step into herself a little bit more in the show i kind of wish they hadn't made her 
quite like so psychotic a Catholic, but also during the time period, not that wrong. Well, she saw herself as, um, you know, a Catholic heroine, a sort of mm-hmm. Joan of Arc. I mean, that's how she would have said she saw herself, for sure. Um, I also, you know, I reviewed Mary Queen of Scots, which was out recently, that had, um, I think it was Kira Knightley as uh, Elizabeth. And um, uh, I cannot remember her name. Um, Wait, are you talking about the one with uh, Sorcerer Ronan? It was, uh, it was Margot Robbie. Um, I saw it too, and I, I actually yes. really didn't hate that movie, except I was just like, why in the world does Saoirse Ronan have a Scottish accent? She grew up in France, but whatever. I thought that was a very interesting take on her because it, it sort of played like it went back and forth between power hungry and passed around. And I thought that this was such a great contrast to that movie because that movie really wanted to show you a Mary that was in control and then didn't. Because I I don't really quite know why it it just didn't really manage to do what it wanted, um, and this one really felt much more um, of a of a of a successfully rounded Mary. Mm-hmm. I also like because a lot of times in stories like yeah, this, they're afraid they they pull a lot of punches with things. Do you know what I mean? And like don't necessarily like enjoy Mary of Scots psychotic Catholic, but I do love that it's willing to commit to the like if you really believe you're saving people's souls, like you're going to banish them from the country if they don't convert. You're going to throw them in jail. You're yeah. going like like if this is really some kind of like holy mission for you, like like put your foot on the gas. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that the show is willing to, like, take her there, but not in a completely, like, by the end of it, I still I still felt really, like, sympathetic towards her and, and invested in her story. I mean, I know, historically speaking, we probably won't see her again because she never goes back to France after she returns home to Scotland. But who knows? There's some stuff that happened this season that didn't happen at all. So... Right. I just love that Antonia um, Clark, I think her name is. She's really good. Antonia Clark, yes. Show had a lot of really good actresses in it, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to know. I, I don't know. Maybe I, they probably don't have time to do like a split storyline where they like still follow her some in Scotland because I'd love to know how the show actually really did Mary of Geese. Like that would be very fascinating to me. I would really like to know what they're going to do for season two. In general, uh, get yeah. ready to learn about Protestants and Catholics and religious war because that's literally like the like that's such a big piece of truly, truly. I don't think France's monarchy would have survived without Catherine de Medici because it was ripping itself apart about mm-hmm. religious issues. And she was really, she yeah. doesn't get enough credit for this, but she was very sort of Elizabeth one in the way that she was like Catherine herself was a Catholic, but she was very, um, Tolerant is not the right word here, but she was very much like, like, we're not going to be merry about this. Do you know what I mean? We're going to we're going to let everyone can coexist. Yes. Yes. Which was extremely progressive. Um, and that's uh, that's what the geezers were grumbling about at the coronation. I I thought the coronation scene was fantastic. It looked absolutely it looked absolutely amazing. I don't it. I don't think it was filmed in a real I mean, it couldn't possibly be filmed on location, but it looked really convincing. I don't know. I saw a lot of behind the scenes pictures. I know they went to a lot of, they went to the real, um, what's that super expensive chateau? Chalonceau? Yeah, they they filmed there, so. Yeah, apparently it was during lockdown, so there were no visitors. But I mean, oh my gosh, visually, this series is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, 
you have those wonderful tapestries and the and the gardens, those ornamental French gardens and um and and uh, oh yeah, talking castles. One thing I really loved about the series was the fairy story elements in it. You know, the the, the wicked the wicked magician living in the woods and the power of women and with the wicked queen who possibly isn't that wicked it was it was just such such wonderful storytelling using myth like that i really appreciated that i would love to know what you thought about sort of the secondary women because i was really annoyed by uh I don't remember what her name is on the show offhand, but Ruby Bentel's character, because I love Ruby Bentel, Poldark represent. Mm -hmm. Angelica, yeah. But like, I feel like her, I feel like both of the sort of subplots with her sort of handmaids just were like, I could have done without both of them because I didn't feel like I knew, I didn't feel mm -hmm. like I knew either of those characters well enough to care about their relationship or whether or not they betrayed Catherine. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I would love some thoughts on that from others. Yeah, I thought that it was sort of interesting that um, uh, that Catherine chose her entourage and they all came along with her. And then um, Angelica and um, Rahima both took on side jobs. Um, uh, Rahima, uh, what do, you know, I couldn't figure out Rahima's purpose for a long while. I think she was supposed to be the dressmaker, but then Angelica became the dressmaker after after um uh oh no the guy that the guy that died um in horrible circumstances <laughs> oh yes yes that was really nasty yes he had he had a sean bean oh my god i had to cover my face i i love the fact that we had these kind of, that, that she basically went around killing for that she went around killing for Catherine, even though she really kind of didn't love doing it um, but she felt that she kind of had to. Um, I also love the the one where she where at towards the end with um uh, Mont Montmorency. Thank you. Um, that she basically when she shows up as the nun and she totally fails to like that part was really funny and also really. <laughs> and at the same time, like it was also like really great that like she didn't really want to do this murder, so it of course she screwed it up, you know and. Um, I, 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 I felt bad for Abbas. Yeah. Um, and her, and her, and her poor missing uh, assistant a lot of the time. But honestly, like, I couldn't figure out why any of them stayed with Catherine other than fear after she lets her favorite, after she lets her favorite be killed. Well, I think it was fear that kept them there, and also, I mean. You could see Catherine could be really charming and really lovely. You know, when she addresses Mathilde as her oldest and dearest friend. Well, I mean, she was. They met in the convent. And um, uh, and it was like, although they went in for some, they all went in for some private enterprise, but they remained faithful to her because presumably they'd sworn some sort of oath of allegiance to her. But um, I mean, clearly that's but, flexible. If that is, <laughs> yes, it's, it's flexible. Yeah, and 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 when Mathilde asked Catherine if she would, you know, well, don't you think it's time you should retire to the country and get some peace? Oh, you know, she, you know, that she's not going to do that. You know, she's never going to do that. That's like suggesting. That's like suggesting to like I don't know 
to Obama that he should never go out on the uh, on the road again and do politics. Like that's not going to happen. These people have it built into them, and they're never going to give it up. Yes, but I mean, you know, the three of them did survive, and um, I mean. I mean, I think one of the great things about Catherine is that she knows when to pick her battles and when to back off. And she does that a lot with Diane de Poitiers. Um, you know, she'll she'll push a point. It won't go anywhere. She'll back off and she'll try another strategy. Meanwhile, here's Diane, like, slitting a dude's throat. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> she's an you know, emotional women, girl. <laughs> women and their emotions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uterus was somewhere it shouldn't have been, probably. Um, I, what do you want out of a season two when, when, when we finally well, get there? Well, you um, know, my first reaction, uh, saying the season two, um, uh, and I only learned about it about <laughs> half an hour ago, is do we really need a season two? Because I think in some ways this was such a perfect season. Do we need something different? I mean, I, I, I. As someone who edits your recaps, um, I could tell that you did not right. know that season two when I yeah. read your recap. And I was I almost put at the very end, we'll see you for season two. And then I was like, no, because Janet really doesn't know that. And I'm not going to add that <laughs> for her because that, that'll be weird. And besides, we have Lacey's like post about season two coming right afterwards. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, but I should have maybe like messaged you and been like, you do know there's a season two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I probably should have done that part. I, and so I apologize to you for that. Um, that being said, I, I I know that you guys say that it's going to be a lot of religious stuff. But, you know, as you say, like, I don't want to lose Mary in a way. And I don't want to lose, like, I, I, there, there's so much stuff that's happening just all around that I almost want more than just Catherine in France. I, I, I want, like, I, I want the larger picture oh well yeah i mean there's there's war all the time in europe as you know um you know heirs are born heirs die and the power structure shifts all the time and this whole question which went on for years is is elizabeth the first go of england going to marry um well <laughs> I, I i wouldn't mind that being a running joke i won't lie um uh, i mean just Catherine, Catherine never remarries right like no, she never no. gets another. She, she doesn't get... need to. <laughs> if she marries, she'll lose her autonomy. So she's not going to. But you know, one thing actually that puzzled me, um, you know, um, the episodes dealing with the young Catherine's fertility. Why didn't she um, <clears throat> ask for some additional duties for Sebastio, who obviously adored her and she him? Oh, I kind of read him. I kind of read him as playing for the other team, but that's just me. Well, yeah, he may have been. Or Montmorency, who I think was just gorgeous. Those eyes, wow. <laughs> are you basically saying that she should? Are, are you basically auditioning men to to provide um um babies? Well, what would you do? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go. I go sleep with the groom okay that is the one thing that i was like really the groom yes the groom also he was called tim the groom now maybe tim was a very common name in france in the 16th century but somehow i sort of doubt it i'm just like at least he got a name (laughs) did anybody catch the apprentice's name i never did nope nope Nope. I, I was just like, who is this? I don't care about him. Okay, because I do your recaps, I went and looked through the thing trying to yeah. find it, yeah. and I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find a name for him anywhere. I'm sorry. 
I just is like, why are we supposed to care about whether or not he gets like killed or sent away or I don't Right? Like at that point I was kind of asking myself, why is this still here? Why 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 and of course like oh, there's a reason for it. It's because this way Mom Mercy has like, you know, something that he can use and it all it all it, it all adds together because the mm-hmm. plot needs it to. But at the same time, like I don't want things to be that because the plot needs it to. I want them to mm-hmm. make sense. Well, I am stoked for I'm stoked for season two. I was I but although I've been predicting basically that this would have a second season since kind of the beginning because of, I was like eventually the story Catherine is telling is going to have to catch up to the story that she's living and they were very specific about when that when the I'm making air quotes present day was happening. But uh, there's just like so much good stuff mm-hmm. that still I mean I would really like to meet her daughter. Yeah. Um. Well, she'd so I would like to meet Claude is really who I would like to meet who is the future Duchess of Lorraine. Um, also infamously infamously portrayed mm-hmm. in the CW's reign. Love to headband. Uh, I am excited for <laughs> Nostradamus, who technically should have already arrived by this point, but has not. Um, I was wondering whether Ruggieri was going to turn into Nostradamus like he took a stage name. Oh, maybe. But I guess not. Oh, maybe he did. I mean, they're, technically they were two different people. So I just assumed that they would be two different people. But also, like, Nostradamus is yeah. supposed to be, like, um, what child is becoming king right now? Charles is, like, doctor? Charles Nine, yeah. Like, it's he's supposed to be, like, his royal physician mm-hmm. or something? I don't know. I just want more, I want more, like, Catherine pretending she's into the dark arts to, like, keep everybody off of her, off of her track. Yeah. That, again, was something that didn't, really happen you think um (laughs) yes and no i mean there was all this stuff about ruggieri saying here have this straw thing a straw dolly or whatever it was and you knew that was it well what's interesting is back to back to her pregnancies for a second something i learned uh while reading up on the show was apparently uh, it was considered quite a surprise that Catherine, who had such problems getting pregnant, suddenly like popped out 10 kids over the next decade. And uh, apparently yeah. a doctor is credited with helping her with that, with helping her with some sort of like misalignment of her lady parts or some similar business, which which is. But mostly I'm like, people just think that people just think that Ruggieri witchcrafted her into having a bunch of children. Which I guess makes I, I guess makes sense, especially if you don't understand science. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I mean, but also these people didn't really understand science at that time either. So I don't, I mean, I, I, I thoroughly believe that perhaps there was some sort of rudimentary surgery that realigned some things and suddenly like everything met where it was supposed to. Oh, oh, wait, I forgot. I, I, huh, I forgot the thing I'm most excited to see. So, well, next to Nostradamus, who I just think the show is going to just, I think, as the kids say, going to eat with. Like, I just can't wait to see the, how the show comes up with with Nostradamus because before you know the show hasn't really like mm-hmm. super leaned into the like occult stuff but like Catherine historically was actually quite into the occult I don't think she was a witch but she was really into a lot of I'm making air quotes like dark kind of stuff but what I am most just excited to see do either of you know what her flying squadron was um historically right around the st- right around the time she was regent she uh, put together a group that she called her her I think it was called Flying Squad or something like that. But anyway, it was like a group of lady spies who literally were like her eyes and ears around court. She would have some of them seduce like dis like men who were disrupting things. Like right, she had like a squadron of oh. of lady spies. That's and great. I'm ready for that. I want this. 
I am so I am here for that. See, okay, this is where this is why we all love this movie. Well, I'm feeling much more positive about a second season. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's her fl- <laughs> here we go. All it's her flying squadron of female spies. I don't think she would have called them a flying squadron, though. I doubt it, but that is rather redolent of witches. Uh, I'm every I'm sorry. Every time you say that, I just picture a bunch of witches in formation on brooms. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I've, I'm not mad at that either. I'm just saying I want Samantha Morton at the head of like a squad of lady spies and, and you know, women of ill repute and stuff. Let's go. And I hope I taught you guys something today because I love that fun fact. You did. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on The Serpent Queen? Great series. I loved it. What did you think, Ms. Mystery over there? I, I okay you know this isn't usually my lane um but I really enjoyed the Serpent Queen um I wouldn't say it's the best thing I watched this year but I definitely feel like if Dangerous Liaisons wants to top this it's gonna have mm-hmm. to come hard I D- Dangerous Liaisons is also pretty good I have to tell you but it's very much like period drama scammers that's okay it's just all about everyone lying all the time and they also have great outfits stars is just stars is like become rapidly now that the cw is disintegrating in front of my eyes stars is like becoming my my go-to jam here all right uh serpent queen season two coming at you i don't know when it probably takes a while with all these costumes but hopefully next year fingers crossed um how long did it take this the spanish princess to run a second one i think it was like 18 months between maybe i don't remember that feels so long ago um, different world, different world, literally. Anyway, um, I am look forward, looking forward to it coming back. I will literally watch Samantha Morton do anything. So, even even be like a weird zombie killer, it's fine. It's fine. Um, she's amazing. The show is great. If you haven't watched it, it is now all streaming on Stars, and that is our show. Janet, thank you for joining us and for reca- and for recapping the show all season. Tell the people where they can read and see your thoughts. Well, occasionally I put a picture of my garden on Facebook um, and I'm on uh, Twitter as Janet underscore Mullaney and I don't do much there, but if you're a zoo that has beavers, I will definitely (laughs) follow you. It's very specific. I know what I like. Annie, you're up. Uh, Let's see. You can find me. Well, I mean, you can still find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter for the foreseeable future. Um, you can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I freelance run web. So if you want to know what I wrote about this week, just go to my, well, I guess you're going to go to my Twitter still because I'm still retweeting my headlines there for whatever that's worth. Um, and I've been talking about An- Anola Holmes 2 this week. So yeah, definitely go check out my review. Um, I am Lacey MB on Twitter, where I will be until they turn the lights off on that particular website disaster. But I'm also Lacey MB in most other places if you have abandoned Twitter. Uh, like Annie, I write a lot here at televisions and around the, ta- in the entertainment web, but I always share my bylines. So be my friend. You might get some cat pictures on the side, uh, the site and the pod or on social media at tele underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. You can subscribe. I can talk today. You can subscribe to our shiny newsletter at our shiny new website at televisions.org. And while you're there, you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep creating all of this content for your eyes and ears. While you're doing that, you can get access to PBS Passport, which just has a tremendous amount of 
exclusives and early binge opportunities now and in the coming weeks and months. So, you know, don't miss out because this is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, that is our show. Welcome. Welcome to, I guess, November is technically still fall. I don't know. Um, it was It's unseasonably warm. I'm like sweating in my closet right now. I don't know. It's very strange. Climate change is weird. Uh, take this opportunity while it is nice out to visit your local pharmacy and get your flu and COVID booster shots. I did both. And honestly, like it wasn't too bad. Just my arms hurt. But I feel, you know, more protected against Lord only knows what's going on outside in the real world right now. So everyone else should do that too. Enjoy all your leftover Halloween candy that we are still eating in this house. So I assume other people must be as well. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>